the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome to another edition of The Advocate. I'm your host, Nick Phillips, and I'm here with... Kathy Lux, and it's good to be in the studio with you today, Nick. And Kathy, it's good to be with you here. It's uh, so much better being in the studio. I'm glad we're past all this COVID stuff for the most part here, so... I agree. We can be in the studio. Well, we're very near Election Day here in Cuyahoga County, Mm -hmm. and uh, election, uh, having a fair election, having an election we can count on is very, very important to us. So we have with us a special guest today. Jeff Hastings from the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections. Jeff, thank you for joining us. Welcome, Jeff. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Cassie. Happy to be here. Well, the Board of Elections, boy, uh, every time we get near an election, that's when we start hearing about the Board of Elections. But you guys are around year-round, year after year. And uh, for those who don't know what the Board of Elections is all about, can you tell us pretty much who's on the Board of Elections, how's it organized, and what do you guys do? Sure. Thank you for that question, Nick. Um, the Board of Elections in uh, are 88, 88 counties in Ohio, and each county has a Board of Elections made up of two Ds, two Democrat members, and two Rs, two Republican members, uh, that are appointed by their executive committees of their respective parties. So we're actually elected. Uh, we are actually we're appointed. We're recommended for appointment by our local parties. That recommendation goes to the Secretary of State, who is our boss. And he makes the decision uh, whether we should be appointed or not. And almost without exception, uh, the Secretary of State does appoint uh, whoever the county parties recommend. In this case, our Secretary of State is Frank LaRose. He is charged uh, with running elections uh, in throughout the entire state of Ohio. And we uh, are his um, uh, worker bees, so to speak, in each of the counties. So we administer those laws consistent with his directives. You have the Constitution and Ohio laws. Uh, interesting. So it is split up where you have sort of a, a, an equal balance between Republicans and Democrats. How has that been working since you've been on the board? Well, it's exactly right, Nick. And the whole the concept behind the two D's and the two R's is uh, uh, parity, uh, nonpartisanship. Uh, there's only one way to count a ballot. That's the right way. Uh, we are charged and sworn to hold fair, accurate, and transparent elections. And uh, my uh, 17 years on the board, uh, since uh, 2000, uh, well, actually 15 years on the board since 2007, uh, I've been able to serve with some wonderful Republican colleagues as well as Democratic colleagues committed to that uh, a fair, accurate, and transparent election. We want uh, uh, the, the election to be like a baseball game. You're calling balls and strikes, and when you go to bed that night, you know the score was 4-3, to three, the Guardians won, and when you get up, it's still 4-3, to three, the Guardians won, and that's the way we want to conduct our elections. Uh, and, and Jeff, how often are these appointments to the board made? Uh, excellent question, Kathy. They used to be on a, a two-year term, but now they're four-year terms, and they're staggered. So uh, when my term ends, my term will end in March of 2023, a new member will be appointed, but the Republican member will still be on, and a Democratic member will still be on, so you still have continuity. Uh, so that's how it works. Every four-year appointment in staggered terms. 
We're talking to Jeff Hastings from the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections, and we're just uh, uh, less than a week away. Coming up uh, this Tuesday is coming up to be Election Day, so we want everyone to know about the Board of Elections. And uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Kathy Lux and with Jeff Hastings talking about the election coming up here in 2022. So don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips and Kathy here on WHK. The Advocate. We'll be right And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. Welcome back to The Advocate. I'm your host, Nick Phillips. I'm here with Kathy Lux. Kathy Lux, and we're talking about Election Day 2022, and we're talking to Jeff Hastings from the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections. Jeff, thank you for joining us. Good to be here, Nick and Kathy. Uh, one of the things that baffles uh, people who are running for office is uh, what is Election Day, but not only what is Election Day, but what is not Election Day. For example, we have early voting. Uh, explain sort of what is early voting and how are we doing with early voting? How how many of the voters are voting early here in uh, Cuyahoga County? Yes, uh, Nick and Kathy, we have early voting and it starts 10 days before the election throughout the state of Ohio in each of the counties. Uh, we have um, times and dates set up uh, by the Secretary of State uh, so there's access to the polling uh, to, to vote. So if someone can't make it to the polling locations, they can go down to their Board of Elections in this case, from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. this week, uh, to cast a ballot uh, that will be counted on Election Day. They can also vote by absentee mail, which most people are familiar with. In this case, in these uh, statewide elections or national elections, presidential elections, the Secretary of State will mail out an application, an application for an absentee ballot. And if someone chooses, they can fill out that application, mail it to their Board of Elections, and receive an absentee ballot. Uh, so that's where two methods, and of course you have 13 hours on Election Day, uh, to vote too, so uh, access to voting is is is, is really wide open, and, and uh, dozens of hours are available for people to vote. In this case, uh, recently, these numbers are from Monday. Uh, our vote by mail application requests uh, are 182,000 in Cuyahoga County. Uh, the one uh, the ones that was in 2018. It's 146,000. Uh, the request uh, now, so it's down a little. The re- request for absentee ballots. The returns of those ballots are 87,996. Historically, about 90 to 93% of the requests for an absentee ballot are actually returned. And early in-person voting through Monday was 9,800 people down at our Board of Elections uh, compared to about 8,100 people four years ago. So it's a little up this year. So people are, are getting out and exercising their franchise. To make sure there's no cheating going on with regard to these absentee ballots and the uh, ballots coming back into the Board of Elections, what, what safeguards are there? How do you validate that dead people aren't voting? <laughs> exactly, and that, it, and that isn't the case, of course. Um, there's a system to, to clean up. Well, we're going to talk about voting rolls and, and cleaning those rolls up to make sure they're accurate. But when an absentee ballot comes in, Nick and Kathy, a bipartisan team, a Democrat and Republican, will actually see that it's open. There's a privacy envelope inside, as you're aware, and we'll match that signature uh, to the signature on, on file with us. And that's the case throughout the state of Ohio. It's a, a, a signature verification, verification process. Once I look at it, I'm the R, and let's say my, uh, Democrat, my Democratic colleague will then look at that signature, and as long as we're both in agreement that it matches what the registration is on file and the, the identifying information on the envelope, the last four digits of the social or the uh, Ohio driver's license, the date of birth that it's signed, then it passes on to uh, get run through the machine. It doesn't get tabulated, but it's actually processed through the machine. 
And uh, that is the security measures we have in place. If there is a question about whether that signature verification takes place, it's taken up to another level where a DNR supervisor look at it, and ultimately it can be taken to the board. And on a rare occasion it is where we'll actually look at his board members, all four of us, and come to a decision whether that ballot should be counted. And, Jeff, what about drop boxes? Does the County Board of Elections have a drop box for voters to just drive by and drop off their ballot? We do have a drop box, and it's at our um, uh, Board of Elections, Kathy. Unfortunately, the configuration in this county administrative building that we have, the parking lot is not ideal. But nevertheless, the box is there. Box is there. It's secure. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, it is, it's more secure than any mailbox I've ever seen. And it's, 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 it's weight is in tons. And it's monitored 24-7 by a camera. And um, so people can drop off their ballots at their convenience. Now, the law says that you can take a ballot down if it's your family members, an extended family member, such as a grandparent, an in-law. Those, you, those are permissible. What individuals can't do, and it rarely happens, we've had it happen once here in Cuyahoga County, where someone might take a dozen of their neighbor's ballots down. Now, that can't be done, even though if it's done with the purest of intent, it's not permitted because only family members can bring down their family members' ballots. So I can bring down my wife's absentee ballot when we have our board of elections tomorrow and put it in the drop box to get processed. Well, what if the video monitor shows that somebody's there with a handful of ballots, putting them in the drop box, and it's just being monitored? Uh, does somebody come out there and say stop or what? And, and, for, and yeah. I, I want to add to Nick's question before you answer, Jeff. Um, you know, I've, I've heard about situations um, where people have gone in and harvested ballots in uh, nursing homes and that sort of thing. Um, so uh, now if you want to speak to it. Yeah, verification. Sure, yeah. How do you do that? Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll give you an example. So we had, I believe it was 2020 during the COVID, um, uh, we witnessed our poll workers were outside collecting absentee ballots for people driving by. So, for example, on Friday morning from 8 to 12, me and my colleague Terry McCafferty, my Democratic colleague, will be standing outside of the Board of Elections so cars driving by any 30th Street can hand us ballots, a DNR there together, identified, and we'll put them in a bag, and we'll see that they get processed. The point being is when we had that process in place back in 2020, some of the people noticed that a woman pulled in and dropped off dozens of ballots, which is unusual. I rarely see that happen. So they approached her and asked her what she was doing. And so and she explained. She says, well, I was just offering because it was COVID. No one was going to didn't want to go out and mail their ballots. I offered to bring them down and drop them off. The purest of intent, but we held a hearing. I mean, we brought that woman in. We talked to her about it. And as a board decided whether we should refer her to prosecution or whether, you know, an exception was made and there was no nefarious intent on her part other than just to help her neighbors out and bring their ballots in. Not trying to help a particular party or candidate get elected, but just doing that. So that that's what we find. I mean, when that happens. So that's one example. I can tell you in the presidential election two years ago, I worked over 15 hours collecting ballots. We had two locations there where people were driving in. And rarely, rarely, rarely would I find, without exception, someone coming in with more than four ballots. So I would ask them, are those ballots your family members? And of course, they would say they were. And so we would collect them. But, you know, we, we don't open up the ballot sitting there as someone's driving by, pull out the privacy envelope to see the name on it. I mean, it just isn't practical in, in that regard. So mm -hmm. I, I really, you know, I don't believe people get up in the morning and say, you know, 
99.9% of you get up in the morning and say, oh, I'm going to try to go ballot harvest right now and talk my neighbors into giving me their ballots so I can take them down. It just doesn't happen often. And when it does, we, can, we generally will find them and find out what was behind uh, uh, you know, the, their efforts in that regard. You, you just used a scary word a few minutes ago, and that was prosecution. Now, uh, for those out there listening, prosecution means someone is being charged with a crime and they can face uh, fines and actually going to prison. What kind of prosecution do people face if they come in with a handful of ballots uh, and uh, they're looked at, they're scrutinized for dropping off like 10 ballots? What's the crime that they've committed? Well, maybe. I believe it's a felony. I believe it would be a felony in the fifth degree. We, as Board of Elections throughout the state of Ohio and each county, are charged with investigating irregularities that are brought to our attention or that are staff witnesses. So we'll do that. We'll actually conduct an investigation. We'll work with the local prosecutor's office and their investigators to put a, our staff does. They will then put a package together for us, and we will review that package and take here uh, hear evidence and make a determination whether, based on our uh, view of the, what happened, whether that is a matter that should be referred to the prosecutor's office. If it is referred to the office, as you both understand, then the prosecutor has his discretion on whether to pursue criminal charges, but we've at least taken that first level. I'll give you an example of, uh, of uh, another matter. People say, well, people are voting twice. So Nick Phillips takes out his absentee ballot, forgets to fill it out, goes down election day and tries to vote. Well, when Nick gets down there, the poll work, the polling, uh, the, po- the poll book will indicate that Nick has taken an absentee ballot. Out. There'll be an A across his name, and we'll say, "Well, Mr. Phillips, you know, it says you took an absentee ballot." Mr. Phillips says, "I never voted my absentee ballot." Well, the poll worker doesn't know that, right? At that point, mm-hmm. that takes us to what we call provisional ballots. Okay, and we'll get into that in a minute. So what we do is say, Mr. Phillips, fill out a provisional ballot. We're going to go verify the fact that you didn't vote your absentee ballot, but we got to do that later. We can't do it right now. And if you didn't vote, your provisional ballot will be counted. But, you know, lo and behold, we find out that actually Mr. Phillips did vote his absentee ballot. Now, has he voted twice? Has he tried to vote twice? Has he tried to gain the system? Or he just simply forget? Does he have dimension? Does, does that, so we would call people down and ask them. And what we would find without exception is they generally didn't recall sending their absentee ballot in, or they had memory issues, right? They were elderly. So the point being is that we have systems in place to catch people doing things. Now, if someone came down, and I've seen this happen in other counties in the state, and the woman was adamant, yeah, I voted my son's ballot, and I voted my ballot, you know, that's an obvious, you know, violation of the law, and that person would be referred to the prosecutor's office. So those are just an example of the matters we look into and make a determination. I can tell you there'll be probably two or three dozen individuals that cast absentee ballots and try to go, you know, and, and try to vote, you know, on election day, saying that they didn't do it or they just don't trust the system. They want to make sure their ballots counted, that sort of stuff. Are they breaking the law? Do they have the intent to? I don't know. It's a close call. Sometimes we refer to the prosecutor's office. Sometimes we don't. Wow, it's interesting that there's a law enforcement element to this that is going on, and it's not just political games that people are playing. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Nick Phillips and Kathy Lux here on The Advocate. We're talking to Jeff Hastings from the Calgary County Board of Elections, and we're going to talk about the election coming up here in November 2022. So don't go away. We'll be right back after. And now, back to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. 
Welcome back to The Advocate. This is Nick Phillips with Kathy Lux, and we're in our last uh, segment for tonight talking to Jeff Hastings from the Cuyahoga County Board of Elections. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much, and I know your big day's coming up here, so thank you for taking some time with us today. I'm sure it's really busy at the Board of Elections. You you know, voter security has been a big issue, of course. Everyone, I'm I'm stating the obvious, uh, since the presidential election. And a lot of people are concerned about voting security to the degree that they wonder if it's even worth voting. They don't trust the system. So this is such an important issue, and our our uh, right to vote and, and that our votes are counted fairly is critical to our democracy. And so um, it's really good to have you here today, Jeff, to talk about these issues. And so one of the things that I think a lot of people don't know about, and you, you might be able to explain excuse me, I have a frog in my throat today, is when the voting uh, polls close, what happens with those ballots, those, what's the chain of custody, what's the process of making certain that everything is secure and gets to the Board of Elections for, for the tallying? Excellent question, Kathy. And here, too, we go back to this bipartisanship that each polling location has D's and R's at it. And most importantly, when they close the polling location down at 730, now, what happens is people are in line at 730, they can continue to vote. So sometimes those polling locations start closing down about quarter to eight, eight o'clock. They're closed down with these bipartisan teams. Each DS-200, that's the tabulation equipment that's at the polling location that voters actually put their ballots in and tabulates the votes. There's a memory stick there. So that memory stick is taken from each of those machines, again, with a DNR watching it, putting in, put it into a, a secure envelope, and then taken to a drop-off location. So in North Royalton, we might have four polling locations. They're taken to a drop-off location in Parma, where other polling locations come, and they're all brought downtown to us, again, in a bipartisan manner, with a DNR in that car. There is signatures on chain of custody. So when they leave that polling location in North Royalton, two people sign it saying we're taking these uh, memory sticks with us. When they get to the drop-off location that's signed again, said we've received uh, you know, these memory sticks from North Royalton. And then when it gets downtown, we sign again and say we've received. So there's your chain of custody, people saying I've received what was given to me. What's also beautiful about the system is redundancy. So heaven forbid, and we haven't had this happen, one of the memory sticks gets lost or is misplaced or is not working. We could simply go back to that voting machine, the DS-200, where all those ballots were dropped and simply pull those ballots out again with a bipartisan team and run them through another scanner to tabulate those votes again. So you have that sort of redundancy in the system. And finally, the machine itself has a memory stick in it or a computer uh, memory in it that tabulates those votes. So you have three levels of security to verify um, uh, and the redundancy in the system. Finally, we hold post-election audit summaries. We're required under law, and Tiger County was one of the first in the entire state before it was required, to do a primary or we do a hand count uh, conducted of you know, a sampling size of ballots to make sure that the results we have were accurate. And I'm proud to say that our post-election audits are 100 percent for the last five years. There were two exceptions. One was at 99.98 percent and one was 99.99 percent. And that resulted in the computer misreading one of the ovals because some of the ink was outside the ovals. So I have complete confidence in that system. Excellent question. Quick question about uh, write-in ballots. Uh, For a write-in ballot, people have to fill out the oval, and I assume that kicks out the ballot to be hand-inspected. Is that what happens? 
That's correct. And so, and then those take a little longer, but now we've identified those uh, handwritten, uh, you know, we've been notified because we don't know what that voter is doing until it comes out. Then we can see that uh, they've got a write-in ballot and we got to set that aside to make sure we tabulate those ballots on election night. Wow, very good. Well, uh, we're out of time. Jeff Hastings, thank you so much and good luck to the Board of Elections for this uh, coming election. And may it go smoothly and may you get the results out quickly. Great Thank information, so Jeff. Thank you both, Nick, Kathy, and, and uh, Nick, for having me on. Have a wonderful day. Thank, thank you so very much. And thank you for joining us t- today uh, on The Advocate. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. So don't go away. Have a great week, Kathy. Goodbye. Take care, everybody. In a dream or in my drifting days after the war I found a tea room north of the Mozambique shore Worn Persian carpet on the sandwood floor Rope-pointed slippers by the bamboo door On the wall a faded picture of a movie queen Torn from the pages of some ancient magazine Sleeping parrot, dreaming parrot dreams and I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset Sat and drank my fresh mint tea With nothing to do until morning And only my mind accompanied The Advocate is sponsored by Nick Phillips and is responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.